Hello, this is Michael McGalley. Welcome to Age of Independence, the podcast from Indie.biz. It's been a while since my last show. I, I got busy and I recorded about five shows during the course of the year. But when I looked at all the shows, I wasn't sure what it amounted to or what really I was trying to say. I also got busy. I got busy with my consulting business and working on a new version of Indie.biz, and so the podcast felt somehow less important. But I'm recording this Tuesday, March 24th, and I'm in Seattle, and with the crisis that we're in, I, I, I feel like there is something important that uh, I want to begin a conversation about, and so I'm starting the show again. And over the course of the last few weeks here in Seattle, I've been talking with business owners, small business owners, about how they're doing. And people are struggling, obviously. You know, people are afraid. They're afraid for their families and for their health. But they're also afraid for the survival of the businesses that they've built or in the process of building. We've already been into this for several weeks now, and, and the crisis feels very real, particularly here in Seattle. We were into it earlier than the rest of the country, and, and you know we've gotten some time to really think about the situation that we're in. Last week, the first person that I knew personally died from COVID-19. His name was Steve Shulman, and as it happened, he uh, was a business owner. He owned um, the uh, neighborhood grocery store that my family uh, goes to several times a week. And, you know, leave it, losing Steve has really made the whole thing feel so much more real and uh, immediate. And it's also heightened the risk that business owners are facing um, and that their families are facing with all of the uncertainty that we are uh, grappling with. Some businesses here in Seattle have already been closed for two weeks, either voluntarily to support uh, social distancing, or in the case of bars and restaurants, because they were told that they had to. Last night, our governor, Jay Inslee, ordered all non-essential businesses to close and for people to stay home for anything except critical outings, such as going to the grocery store or going out to uh the pharmacy to buy medicine or for other health health reasons. That number is is growing, right? So today, I think at last count, uh, half of the population of the United States is under a stay-at-home order. Uh, so places like New York and California and Washington, um, but also states like Louisiana. And, you know, we can be pretty sure that that number is going to grow as more areas of the country realize that they need to act if they're going to avoid overwhelming their hospitals with, uh, with a spike of, of this disease. The scale of the economic devastation that we're facing is starting to sh take shape. You know, obviously, Congress has been uh, having negotiations for the last week about what the response is going to be. But, you know, we're just getting a picture of what, uh, of what we're facing um, the Goldman Sachs report that came out uh, at the end of last week was um, estimating that uh, two and a half million people, two and a quarter million people, I think, in, in the report, but it seems like it's more than that, are going to be unemployed by this week. Um, and, uh, you know, that number was around 200,000 um, at the beginning of the month. So it's about a nine or ten times growth rate in just the first couple of weeks 
of the economic pain. And, you know, for me personally, the past couple of weeks has led me to revisit two previous times in my life, the memories of which feel very strong these days. And the first was September 11th, and the second, obviously, was the financial meltdown of, of, of 2008. Both of those events had real big impacts on, on my life. Um, I was living in New York for both, and like so many other people, sort of nothing was the same after either event. In thinking about those times, I, I remember how difficult they were, but I also remember how much of a sense of camaraderie and togetherness I felt then, and I feel the same way now. You know, people in, in a crisis really do come, come together. And at the same time, they were very difficult times. They were times that were defined by uncertainty and by the knowledge that, that things were never going to be the same again. And this is very much like that. In fact, I would say that it's even more, more so. Well, when, when September 11th happened, I lost my job two weeks after that. And that same afternoon, I started my first business. And that business is a business that I, that I grew for about nine years with my, my partners, Mike Kuka and Thomas Ordahl. And we had a great, great set of clients and a great offering and, and, and really had a lot of fun with that business. But when the financial crash came, we ended up having to close that business. And that was what led me to being hired by Microsoft and moving out here to Seattle. So I guess I think the thing that I learned in, in both of those events is that when things go terribly wrong and when it feels like the end and that there's nothing hopeful at all, that's actually the time when something new begins. And you can't really be sure what that thing is or what is going to happen as a result, but, but you do need to keep that in mind because I know that, uh, that now is an extremely stressful time. When I started Indie.biz, I started it with the idea that being independent shouldn't mean being alone. And as I've worked on that, on building that platform for the last five years, what I've, what I've realized is that all too often being independent means just that, means that you, you really are out on your own. And I think that for a lot of the people that I've been, that I've been speaking with, um, it's that, that feeling of, of, uh, of, of fear, you know, the feelings of fear and, and, and anxiety and, and dread about how this is going to impact, impact their lives and impact their families and their health, but then also how it's going to impact um, the, the businesses that they, that they have invested so much of themselves into is something that, that is, is very difficult. And so I think making sure that you are reaching out to other people at this time, I think is something that's incredibly, incredibly important. And it's one of the reasons why I wanted to put out this show and why I have some ideas for the shows I want to put out in the coming weeks in order to, to just have this conversation about just how hard it is when you are an independent entrepreneur, when you're an independent business person and, 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 and you're dealing with this kind of crisis. And also to share ideas for people that can that, that can hopefully help, and to make a little bit of sense of uh, of of what's going on, because I know that it 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 can be very confusing. I feel very confused by it, but of course you can't really compare what's happening now to what's happened before, 
right? This, this isn't September 11th. This isn't 2008. This is something totally new. Uh, you know, we've never faced anything like it before, ever. And if there's one thing that I know for sure, it's that things are going to be different from now on. And, and some of those differences are going to be things that we have no control over whatsoever. But, but some others, and, and I actually think most others, are going to be the result of decisions and choices that we make. They're going to be the result of decisions and choices that we make as individuals, but also as, as a society. And in a way, that's the thing that is giving me the most hope now. You know, when I look at the response of people here in this community in Seattle, the level of adaptation and, and, and creativity and flexibility that has come out at this local level, both from individuals and families, from small businesses, from our local government, um, and other institutions, you know, and, and it's that kind of adaptation at the local level, the experimentation and, and, and the invention that comes with necessity that is, for me, the spirit of entrepreneurship. But it's entrepreneurship that isn't happening because people are coming together to start a business. It's people coming together to solve other kinds of problems, to solve problems for for themselves and problems that are they're facing in the immediate term. And, you know, I've been going back and reading um, Peter Drucker. Uh, and if you don't know, Peter Drucker is probably the most important business thinker and writer, I mean, you could say of, of all time. I, I, I think that there's a, a strong case to be made that Drucker is the, you know, the most important. And, 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 and he wrote from the middle of the 20th century through the end of the 20th century. And he, in one of his, uh, his last works um, that was written in, in the mid-1980s, um, you know, a book that came out of a number of, uh, of essays that he'd written in the book is called Innovation and Entrepreneurship, is really about the last chapter, the closing chapter of that book, Drucker calls for an entrepreneurial society, a society where that kind of, 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 of bottom-up creativity and innovation um, happens in, in, in all aspects of a society. And I guess it gives me hope when I look at the response that's happened and is happening um, in communities around the country um, and, and, um, and probably around, around the world. It gives me hope that this kind of entrepreneurial society is in reach. You know, we have such a, a, a focus, and anyone who's listened to this show before knows that it's a bit of an obsession of mine. Um, we have such a focus on entrepreneurship being something that is exclusively about startups and tech companies and companies that, by virtue of the fact that they have digital products that, that can scale very quickly and very profitably, that that singular focus on, 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 on high-growth entrepreneurship is something that's blinding us to the other possibilities of a truly entrepreneurial society. And as with a lot of things, you know, Peter Drucker really gets it right. He says, to have high-tech entrepreneurship alone without its being embedded in a broad entrepreneurial economy of no-tech, low-tech, and middle-tech is like trying to have a mountaintop without the mountain. And of course, you can't have the mountaintop without the mountain. 
you can't have a strong, vibrant economy that only operates for people at the top and doesn't actually bring people in in a participatory way where they have the power and the agency and the inspiration to build things for themselves and build wealth for themselves. A few years ago, I wrote a, a blog post called The Guts of Our Economy, where I talked about you know, the difficulty of understanding the small businesses and the independent businesses in our society, and I compared them to the microbiome, right? That, that you know, the, the the sort of organisms that uh, that are in our in our bodies that we don't see. You know, we think about our lungs and our heart and our well, stomach and, and, and the functioning and, and, of the and, whole system. Um, and when things happen to affect that microbiome, um, the entire system suffers. Um, and I've been thinking a lot about that that piece recently, particularly since this entire this entire crisis that we're in has been caused by a very simple virus, right? A single uh, strand of RNA in a very simple organism that has brought down, you know, and, and brought down the entire global economy, has killed tens of thousands of people and climbing, and is, um, is really, you know, quite extraordinary when you think about it in, in those terms and is, is a wake-up call in terms of the power of very small things in large numbers to have a massive effect. And that is the effect that of our independent businesses. Now, I'm worried at the same time about our ability to, to save the businesses that we can save in the middle of this crisis. The powers that be in Washington are in the middle of negotiating a massive, as much as $1.8 or $2 trillion package that, uh, that they're hoping is going to help to uh, mitigate some of the effects of this massive, massive crisis. And I worry that, like in 2008, where we had another bailout, and that bailout you know, there's another book that, I, that I've gone back to as I've been thinking um, over the last couple of weeks about the, the economic situation we're in. And it, David Smick's um, The Great Equalizer, which I think Smick wrote it in 2017. And, and really, it's a call for a return to Main Street capitalism, right? So it's a book that has uh, had a big, big, big impact on, on me and my thinking about this kind of current moment in 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 our society and our economy, as we try to get back to something that is a bit more of a bottom up approach, and and you know, Smick is really very critical of the response to um, the financial crisis and and the resulting Great Recession. In fact, he says that the monetary policies that were put in place, right, so. The, the quantitative easing, the printing of money, the, 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 the keeping of interest rates very low, um, and the bailout of the big banks w was the biggest transfer of wealth from Main Street to Wall Street in American history. And I worry that as the politicians negotiate this bailout, that they're going to lose sight of the, the, the things that can be done to make sure that when we come out of this thing, we don't realize that we've had a mass extinction event of small businesses. Because really, small businesses 
never real never recovered from 2008-2009. We have seen more business deaths really until the last couple of years. So more small businesses going out of business than new businesses starting up, which is not where you want to be in terms of having a dynamic economy. So I think that our challenge now is we look ahead and we think about what we want you know, if a crisis is a terrible thing to waste, what do we want out of this crisis? And my hope is that we actually get to a new conception of growth. We get to a new conception of growth that measures things, not just in terms of GDP and, 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 and the numbers around where, you know, how our economy is growing, but also the type of growth that we see and growth in terms of human growth and a reduction of wasted human potential. You know, I think we need to build a society that is a, a place where people are set up to, to create wealth for themselves, to create a kind of, you know, what, what the Nobel laureate economist uh, Edmund Phelps calls mass flourishing. Going forward, the plan for the show is I have a short list of guests that I want to bring on. Unlike the, what we'll call the first season of the show, which was... Primarily focused on talking with independent business owners about their businesses, I want to focus in, in, in the coming weeks or months on guests who can really help us understand the current crisis and what are the economic policies that are being put in place to help businesses survive. This is going to be a learning adventure for all of us because you know, I spend a lot of time reading about this stuff, and it is very complex. And so my goal is going to be to use some of the simplification of business concepts that, uh, that, that, that we do with Indie.biz and apply some of those to the policy and economic ideas that are going to be so important for seeing us through this crisis and, you know, hopefully coming out on the other side stronger and more resilient. So... If you're out there and you're worried about your business and you're not sure what you're going to do, you're not alone. Uh, there are millions of us out there, and we are all confronting the same thing. And so be strong, be safe, and I'll see you next time.